Welcome to Mars Messina Presents. I am your hostess with the mostest, Mars Messina. Today is Saturday, March 19th, 2022. Have you ever wondered why dying people so often have clarity and peace, even as they are suffering and know they're approaching the end of their lives? Have you ever heard someone coping with a painful disease proclaim, I am not afraid to die? I've always been fascinated with such people and their last journeys in mortality. Episode 49 hopes to provide you one reason why some dying people are able to cope with their impending demises. Today, we will talk about the dreams some people have leading up to their deaths. According to studies conducted by Dr. Christopher Kerr at Hospice Buffalo and his team of clinicians and researchers, up to 88% of dying patients experience certain vivid, moving dreams, though the word dreams in quote isn't even the best word for these experiences, as they can happen to people when they're both awake and asleep and are described by them as being more real than real. These studies further look at the importance of these dreams and revelations and visions or whatever they can be called and their role in supporting a so-called good death for hospice and palliative care patients and their families. The team conducted their first study published in the Journal of Palliative Medicine by conducting multiple interviews with 59 terminally ill patients regarding their dreams. The team found patterns that could help patients and their family members find peace and closure. Among Dr. Kerr's findings were that these dreams were often reassuring and only one in five were negative or caused conflict. And this is what Dr. Kerr has to say. The dreams and visions loosely sorted into categories, opportunities to engage with the deceased, loved ones waiting, unfinished business, themes of love given or withheld coursed through the dreams as did the need for resolution and even forgiveness. In their dreams, patients were reassured that they had been good parents, children, and workers. They packed boxes, prepared for journeys, and often traveled with dear companions as guides. Although many patients said they rarely remembered their dreams, these they could not forget. Dr. Kerr and his team found that among those who dreamed of the deceased were more likely to report high levels of comfort than those who dreamed of the living. Furthermore, they found that as patients approached their deaths, they dreamed more and more of the deceased. Dr. Kerr was 12 years old when his father died. In the man's final moments of life, Kerr said that his father reached out to him and told him to hurry 
because they needed to catch a plane to go on a fishing trip. It was the last time Kerr saw his father. Death has followed Kerr in one way or another throughout his life. He tried to avoid and defy it for many years as a medical student and then as a, an emergency room doctor. But since going to work in hospice care in 1999, Kerr has discovered a hidden value in the dying experience. Time and time again, Kerr and his fellow researchers found that these dreams help give patients a sense of meaning and spiritual comfort as their death approaches. He says, end of life experiences represent a rich interconnectivity between body and soul, between the realities we know, those we don't, between our past and our present. Most importantly, end of life experiences represent continuity between and across lives both living and dead. <clears throat> Excuse me, I need a little water break here. <clears throat> Occasionally, patients dream about past trauma and find themselves reliving painful experiences from their life. But these kind of dreams, according to Kerr, sometimes help them heal spiritual wounds even as their bodies decline and Kerr said I'm inspired by the strength of the human spirit and its endless quest to heal what is harmed and what is broken it has always been spoken about in the humanities Shakespeare Plato the Bible but medicine has had very little to say about it, Dr. Kerr continues. I wanted to draw attention to the fact that this is a legitimate phenomena during dying and that there is a therapeutic opportunity for it and in it because for most people it is very comforting. Barry, an 88-year-old patient in hospice in upstate New York, had an extremely vivid dream one night in which he was driving somewhere unknown. While dreaming, he heard the voice of his deceased mother saying to him, it's all right, you're a good boy, I love you. Experiences like Barry's are extremely common according to another scientific study. In the last days of life, this research concurs that with that of Dr. Kerr that many people report having extraordinary visions and dreams that they say help them because they become less afraid of death. This research, which was recently published in the Journal of Palliative Medicine, finds that end-of-life dreams and visions are a natural part of dying and that they tend to be comforting, realistic, and often very meaningful. At least half of conscious dying patients experience these visions, and they often describe them as profound. But as typical as these experiences are, they're a seldom discussed aspect of the dying process. 
scientists have tended to dismiss these experiences as a result of delirium or mental confusion or that the patients are under the influence of medication. But the patients in the study were lucid and did not experience or exhibit any signs of delirium. For the study, the researchers interviewed 59 male and female patients with an average age of 75 admitted to a New York hospice inpatient unit. The researchers asked the participants about their recent dreams and visions. Based on more than 400 interviews, they then analyzed the frequency, content, and significance of the dreams and visions, as well as the amount of time that passed between the patient having the dream and the patient dying. End-of-life dreams and visions have been anecdotally reported by caregivers and family members throughout history. Dr. James Donnelly, a psychologist at Canisius College and one of the study's authors stated, our study was the first to prospectively interview patients themselves during their last weeks and months of life rather than rely on retrospective reports of caregivers. Here are some of the study's most striking findings. 88% of participants had experienced at least one dream or vision in the days, weeks, or months leading up to their death. The experiences were personally meaningful and emotionally significant. Despite the fact that nearly half of the dreams or visions occur during sleep, the overwhelming majority of patients said they felt real. The most common visions were of deceased family and friends, followed by family and friends who were still alive. Visions of the deceased were significantly more comforting than other types of visions. As death approached, dreams or visions of the deceased became more common. 60% of the experiences were described as comforting or extremely comforting. It's easy to imagine how these vivid dreams and revelations would provide comfort to the dying. Many patients described having visions of going to some unknown place or preparing for departure. In other visions, the patient said that loved ones or religious figures told them everything would be all right or that they weren't alone. A person's fear of death often diminishes as a direct result of dreams and visions and what arises is a new insight into mortality, the study's authors conclude. The emotional impact is so frequently positive, comforting, and paradoxically life-affirming. The individual is physically dying, but their emotional and spiritual identity remains present as manifested by the dreams. 
All of these scientific quantitative studies serve to illuminate the benefits of these phenomena for the bereaved family members as they struggle with the dying process of their loved one. These survivors find solace in seeing their loved ones pass with a sense of calm closure. Additionally, by showing what doctors are currently doing wrong when it comes to end-of-life care, these studies also add new awareness to their practices. And again, I'd like to share another study. Researchers at the Center for Hospice and Palliative Care in Chictawaga, New York, interviewed 66 patients in the weeks leading up to their deaths about the content of their dreams and found that almost all experienced dreams and visions involving deceased and living friends and relatives. Virtually all were described as feeling intensely real. About one third of the visions occurred while they were awake. The majority of these dreams and visions were described as comforting or reassuring, especially those involving deceased friends or relatives. Some described encounters with childhood friends, others with long dead parents and grandparents. One 91 year old woman dreamed of meeting her mother in a garden who reassured her that everything will be okay. Others dreamed of parents and siblings who hugged them, telling them that they love them. Still others dreamed of childhood pets. Many reported seeing angels and even God. A common theme of many dreams was that of preparing for a journey. Some of those interviewed spoke with of wanting to die and to join their loved ones and of having been told it wasn't their time yet. The researchers found that the closer the dreams were to the person's death, the more comforting they became. Likewise, the presence of end-of-life dreams and visions was predictive of a peaceful and calm death. All of these studies, which report similar findings, help us to better understand the final stages of death and encourage us to be reassured rather than alarmed by the presence of these kinds of vivid dreams and visions in the dying. By understanding and being able to talk openly about these dreams with the dying, it becomes possible to share in their acceptance of death as the natural conclusion to life that it is, to comfort them and to be comforted. Now, I'll share a few of my own experiences. I don't know how deeply I'm gonna get into this because it's so intensely personal, but I have had experience um, that reflects what was seen in these studies. My dad, uh, within 30 minutes of his death, my uncle was visiting him and he told my uncle to leave because he was preparing to go on a long trip. And my uncle, sweet guy, but probably not the brightest light on the Christmas tree, said he looked at my dad, who was at this point very sick, skeletal, and confined to a bed. He said, you ain't going anywhere. Brilliant. But my dad insisted that he leave, and the trip to the hospital to 
my uncle's home was maybe 15 minutes and my uncle gets home and the phone rings and it's the doctor saying that my dad had died and um, so my uncle went to my grandfather to report my dad's death and um, when he got to my grandfather's home my grandfather at the time he was suffering uh, severe diabetes and he was blind and my grandfather was crying when my uncle walked in and my uncle said what's wrong and my grandfather said you don't even have to tell me I know he's gone because I saw him and then my mom um, a few weeks leading up to her death she told me she was talking a lot speaking a lot with her mother and one of her younger brothers who had died many years before and at the time it was just hard for me to accept because I was trying to keep her alive um, so it was upsetting to me to hear that even though it would have been a really cool conversation to have like wow what did they look like what did they tell you you know I couldn't I couldn't do that at the time but my sister-in-law visited my mom three days before she died and my sister-in-law asked her if she had any final words and my mom said I know my parents love me and those were her last words she didn't speak too much eh, you know um, maybe not her very last words but among her last words um, and um, she died happy um, and that I'll, you know I'll, I'll stop there but uh, you know I'm just saying that you know with both of my parents their experiences really reflect what was um, going on in these studies so um, you know maybe at the time it was very all very painful for me but as time goes on and I'm able to um, get out of my emotions a little bit or to even them out I can see that there was some comfort in a you know otherwise scary process but anyway either way it is now time for bedtime stories from the acoustic bookshelf and these are the lyrics to an old gospel song called ain't no grave which is also known as gonna hold this body down which is attributed to claude ely There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, I'm gonna rise right out of the ground. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, look way down the river. What do you think I see? I see a band of angels and they're coming after me. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, look down yonder, Gabriel. Put your feet on the land and sea. But Gabriel, don't you blow your trumpet till you hear it from me. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, meet me, Jesus. Meet me. Meet me in the middle of the air. And if these wings don't fail me, I will meet you anywhere. 
ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, meet me, mother and father. Meet me down the river road. And mama, you know that I'll be there when I check in my load. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Until next week, arrivederci.